0: So, did you hear that? No? Okay, here let me play it one more time. So other than the birds in the background, any guesses as to what's making that sound? Maybe an idling tractor or a water pump or some kind of manufacturing machinery? Well, the answer is no to all of those, although, if you guessed water pump, you'd be closest to the correct answer. My friend Roger Boughton is a longtime member of the Wildlife Sound Recording Society, the WSRS, over in the UK. In fact, He's one of its longest standing members and has served as its journal editor and chairman in addition to other posts. He's also the overseas correspondent for the Australian Wildlife Sound Recording Group, one of the most active wildlife sound societies on the planet. I met Roger when I joined the WSRS and began to contribute articles and photographs to the journal. That was a few years ago, and even though Roger and I have never actually met in person, We've become good friends, and we regularly meet on Skype just to catch up, and we've written a book together, a sort of a beginner's guide to capturing wildlife sound. It's called Capturing Wildlife Sounds, A Useful Guide, and it'll be released in July of 2020. It's been a really fun project. I've adopted Roger as my mentor, and I've learned so much while doing the research and the writing for the book. It's been a lot of fun. Our areas of expertise actually lined up perfectly for the project. Roger knows an awful lot about sound recording. I know a lot about writing books, so a great combination. Now, since the book is about sound, we decided that we had to include sounds in it. Well, that's easy in an e-book, but paper books are a little more challenging. But we figured it out. One of the things that makes the book kind of fun is that scattered throughout its pages, there are QR codes. You know, those little squares filled with tiny black and white squares that will take you to a video or a website or whatever if you point your phone's camera at them. They're sort of the next generation of barcodes. So if you're reading the section about getting up early and heading out into the field, there's a QR code on that page that'll take you to a recording of Roger talking about that. If we talk about the different kinds of things you can record with different kinds of microphones, we have QR codes that will take you to examples of each one of those. As I built the flow of the book, and as I became more familiar with Roger's sound library, I realized how much his sounds would really enrich the story. So, I asked him to go through his vast library and pick out a few sounds that would represent the various things that we talk about in the book. He did, and the results make for a much richer reading experience. In addition to a variety of interviews with Roger about his recording adventures all over the world, and we're talking about places as diverse as Madagascar, Australia, and a few places up toward the Arctic Circle, there are seabirds, songbirds, fallow deer, otters, bats, and a few rather unique sounds like the one I played at the beginning of this episode. Remember, here it is again. What you're hearing is the sound of sap rising in a tree. So if you guessed water pump, you were sort of correct. It's definitely hydraulic. Now look, I love to record the sounds of nature, but I am a rank amateur compared to Roger. I couldn't imagine how you capture sap rising in a tree. In fact, the idea of doing so would never have occurred to me. I guess it should have, because other gifted sound recordists that I follow, like Bernie Krause, have recorded the sounds of viruses, no joke, and sea anemones burping and mosquitoes walking on a windowpane. So I asked Roger how he did that. How did he capture the sound of sap rising in a tree? I mean, clearly he's a master of his craft, and I warn you, he's also rather funny.
1: I decided that I would put contact mics on both sides of a tree. Now, you have to pick your tree, you know, you have to talk to it nicely, uh, explain what you're trying to do, because, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and people, the other trees get upset, and you're not trying it with them, because you have to explain that their bark is too
0: thick. Okay, I warned you, right? I told you he had a sense of humor.
1: And, um, you know, we would do it, but it means me chiseling away at your bark and, hmm, you know, you may not wish that to happen. Um, You know, some trees don't mind, but, you know. Anyway, so I shall find something like an elm tree, and I shall probably shave a little bit of bark off to get closer to where the sap goes up. I will then, and this is the tricky bit, position two contact mics, fix them tightly to the tree.
0: Let me stop for a second and explain what the contact mic is that Roger's talking about. Most microphones that we're all accustomed to seeing capture sound because of compressing and expanding airwaves that strike a sensitive diaphragm or a ribbon inside the microphone. And that causes the ribbon or the diaphragm to vibrate, which causes current going through the microphone to fluctuate. That fluctuation is what the recorder translates into the sounds that it captures. But contact mics work differently. Think about the stethoscope that your doctor uses to listen to your chest. The diaphragm is placed directly against the source of the sound. In the case of a doctor's stethoscope, your chest. So Roger's placing special mics against the tree's chest, if you will, to record whatever's going on inside the tree.
1: What you have to do is get something that you can tighten up like a strap from the car or whatever and you put them on there and then I strap and pull them tightly to the tree um, there's, a, there's another thing if I, I, you know, that I do which is I actually put a little bit of lead on the air side of the contact mic so in fact there's no, no, nothing coming from the air
0: side of course, these sounds made by the sap flowing under the tree's bark can't be heard by placing your head against the tree and hugging it. The sounds are extremely low, so Roger resorts to some electronic magic.
1: Now, it won't be stereo, because there's not the left hand side of the tree going bloop, look look," and the right hand tree going blip, blip, blip. You know, it's, it's, they're all going bloop, bloop, bloop. ridiculous doing stereo, it's just me being silly, because
0: it's there. Let me interrupt Roger for just a second. That's not silly at all, because that's what curiosity is all about. In fact, that's the foundation, the cornerstone of science. If you don't try it, then you'll never know. This ties into that great sentiment that's held high at Google as a critical element of their leadership philosophy. If we don't give our people permission to fail, then we don't give our people permission to try. And trying is what it's all about.
1: What you can get is when there's wind in the trees as well, you get actually some mechanical, you no, know, like stretching the muscles, like my like back is stretching now, you know, it has that. And you get also get the sound of, you know, obviously the leaves moving as well. So there's there's more to it. Than, so I, I've got this in my head. You know how I picture the sound.
0: How I picture the sound, I love that. This is something Roger does all the time. And I have found that a lot of other recordists do as well. It almost sounds like a form of synesthesia. You know, the people out there who claim that they can smell colors or see music.
1: So I've got this in my head, of you know, forming that bass, you know, beat. And then you will have... I shall then go into sound artist mode and call it something, you know, sycamore symphony. And then you've got to work out the words, so you try and keep a serious face when people talk to you about it, and that's the difficult bit. I had this inspiration. I've been wanting to do it for some time, uh, you know, because there's such an earthly feel to the whole thing, and it brings me closer to the natural movement within earth. Let me tell you about a certain. Yew tree, I know. They live a long time. They've seen a lot of things. (laughs) You will not believe it. You know, they're always in churchyards. Ask you the question why they're there. (laughs) Sinners repent.
0: Okay, before Roger goes into full-blown Dr. Doolittle mode, I'm going to stop here. (laughs) Thank you, Roger, for explaining how you record something as, I don't even know what the word is, sublime? as sap rising in a tree. But more than that, thanks for giving us such a great example of curiosity and action. One of my favorite quotes about the subject says, blessed are the curious, for they shall have adventures. Get out there, folks. Unleash your curiosity on the world. Encourage it in your kids and have some adventures. I'm Steve Shepard. Thanks for being part of this community of the curious. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode.